Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll begin there, and we'll get through this. So the purpose behind teaching these things is obviously so we're not ignorant. Um, The other side of it is, is, of course, is that the New Testament church in the book of Acts, we call it the New Testament church, but really we're the New Testament church as well. But when the church was kind of first birthed, um, they had a lot of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in their ministry. I mean, ministry gifts were a part of their reality. And so when it comes to the church today... And what's going on today, it, there's a stirring, there's a, uh, definitely a, 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 a move of the Spirit of God in the church toward the gifts of the pe- Spirit. People are getting hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. And the more that, and the manifestation of the supernatural, the more that the world goes the direction of Antichrist, the more those that are not, re- you know, there's that, that dividing that goes on, but the more that... Uh, those that are not given to that and not yielded to those things, maybe were raised in church or go to a church where, you know, spiritual things aren't, it's more about an intellectual thing, they're going to lean more away from what the world's doing. Spiritual things as a whole now are into everything. I'll just put it to you like that. So where some people, you know, years ago, uh, for the most part, uh, people would have said, you know, there is no God, I just do whatever I want. Now it has gone all the way to the point of, and it was there before, but now it's blatant, where I worship the devil. You know what I mean? So now it's to the point where, yes, you can have your prayer meeting at the church or at the, uh, uh, the courthouse or the, the, the city government offices, but they want to have their whatever they do. I wouldn't call it a prayer meeting. Uh, seance, whatever. You know, they're actually places where they have statues of you know, satanic images in, in some of these places. And so it went from the Ten Commandments to a goat dude, you know, a goat-looking dude thing, a goat little chibo, a goat, that's chibo. <laughs> a goat, it went, from, it went from the Ten Commandments to that. Why? Because that's the nature of uh, those that reject God. They'll go that direction. You know, people sometimes say, well, I'll just be neutral. You won't. You'll go one way or the other. There is no neutral. You know, people, people think, well, no, I just won't do anything the devil wants. I just not believe in God. You're doing what the devil wants. <laughs> you know, so, but we need to be, the church needs to be aware of the gifts of the Spirit, how they operate, and then open to the Holy Spirit, ministering through you to others. Because the purpose of the church is very simply to be, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of purposes, but specifically when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, not only to minister to each other, which we experienced on Sunday, where you have different ones getting up and giving words, exhorting and, and teaching uh, by, the, by the spirit of prophecy that was in operation with word of wisdom, word of knowledge, um, those things, but also so that you, the Lord can deal with you about somebody at work. It could be as simple or, you know, at the grocery store or at, you know, baseball practice or soccer practice or whatever it is. Whatever world you're in, if you're not in tune to the Holy Spirit, then he can't work through you. 
I'm reminded of, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Billy Joe Daughtery, 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 Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Uh, he's got a great, uh, he, it, the ministry is continuing on, and he's in heaven now. But he's, there's a great ministry that he started and has continued on. He said he walked into a, a, a kind of a convenience store one time. You know how sometimes convenience stores will have a little place to sit where you can eat? Like they'll maybe have a, you know, a subway in there or some little restaurant. And he walked, into the, he walked into this convenience store. He said, I don't know why I did it, but I just turned to my right to where these kind of these chairs and things were, this table area was. And I sat down right in front of a guy who was kind of hunched over and had a hood on. And, and he looked at him and he said, whatever you're planning on doing, you don't need to do it. And he just started ministering to him. The guy was planning on robbing the store. And he ended up leading him away from that. If I remember right, he led him to the Lord. Now, how do you know that? You need to be in tune. You got to have your radio set to the right dial, right? You got to be hearing from the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God is always redemptive. He always is. Whether it be in the church or outside of the church, those that are lost or those that are saved, he's always redemptive. How many know the Holy Ghost is not leading people to stone other people? He's not. Okay? We're, we're not under that way of doing things. Okay? That's not where we are. The Holy Spirit is leading to redeem. He's leading to strengthen. He's leading to uh, uh, bring healing uh, to the world around us. And so that's the purpose of understanding these things. And it's so important that we don't allow distractions to get in and get us off track from what God wants us to do because we're in a fight. Uh, the enemy will do this. He'll do one of two things. If he knows he cannot get you, like if he can keep you asleep as a believer and just kind of, you know, bumping along, he's good with that. You know, he's good with that because uh, you're not going to have much of an impact anyway. If he can keep you focused on yourself all the time, he's good with that because you ain't going to do much anyway except be a thorn in someone's side. I'm talking about in the church, probably in the world too. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you, you, it, gets, it gets tiresome, that does. But if he can keep you, if he can't keep you uh, then on fire, if he can't keep you from being on fire, he'll try to motivate, he'll try to push you till you break, basically. So we're always in this place of needing to be in fellowship with the Lord and following what he has for us and being aware of how the enemy operates. And so we're going to start the revelation gifts. There are three of them. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The first one we're going to talk about is the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the spirit of God concerning the divine purpose in the mind and will of God. God reveals his purpose and plan for the future through the word of wisdom. So this has to do... And what you'll notice as you go through these, and the longer you're around these gifts and the more familiar you get with them, they overlap each other all over the place. Okay, you just, they always do. They all, you know, we divide them up for the sake of teaching them, but in all reality, if, if, if you think about what took place Sunday, and this is some of the stuff that I noticed, um, so Ryan gets up and exhorts people uh, with what he had from the Lord, and he's a younger guy. And then Mike gets up and exhorts everybody, and he's a middle-aged guy. And then Grammy gets up, and she's a queen. You, uh, yeah, you, <laughs> you know. 
And so you have three generations of people ministering, and they all ministered different things. Grammy saw something. They all saw something. But then words came out. Some of it was word of wisdom. Mike's was word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And so was Grammy's as well. Hers was word of wisdom and word of knowledge because it has to do with the now, but then it has to do with what? But what was it, but with all of that, even in seeing things in the spirit, because see, sometimes people think, well, I just have this word in me, but you have a picture in you too. Because if I say apple, you don't see a word, you see an apple, right? We read that word, but we put the picture in our mind, you know? This is why those that are readers don't like to go to the movie. After the book is read, they don't want to go to the movie. Why? Because in their mind, that is not what the Prince Charming looked like. <laughs> they had it picked in their mind. I, I've met people like that, and I'm like, you know, I don't quite get it. But I understand where they're coming from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at least on those things. <laughs> but what, what took place Sunday is you have prophecy, you have word of wisdom, you have word of knowledge. And then you have demonstrations of the Spirit in that you have release of the Spirit where you have the anointing being released through maybe the, whole, the holding of hands that was taking place. All of those things, and they all overlap, and we divide them for the purpose of understanding them, but they just work together. They flow together. And that's why you need to understand them, and then you can recognize them, not only to operate in them, but then also if you need to explain it to someone else, or you just want to know what's going on. And I always like to know what's going on. So 1 Corinthians 12, 8 is the, where we see the statement, the word of wisdom. And it says, for one, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Brother Hagin said this, God has all wisdom and all knowledge. He knows everything, but he never reveals to anybody everything that he knows. He just gives them a word of what he knows. A word is a fragmentary part of a sentence. And so it is with wisdom. It is not the gift of wisdom. You'll hear people say that. I got the gift of wisdom. Nope, you don't. Because there is no gift of wisdom. There's the word of wisdom. There's not the gift of wisdom. You know, sometimes, sometimes people, and he addresses this a little bit, but people will say, well, that person just has a lot of wisdom. God must have really gifted them. Nope, that's, that's not how it works. Wisdom is available to everybody. A word of wisdom is as the Spirit wills. Have you ever read Proverbs? Didn't it tell you to get wisdom? Have you ever read James? Didn't it tell you to pray for wisdom? And God is not, he's not a respecter of persons. He gives it liberally, right? But we know the word of wisdom is as the Spirit wills. So Dale can't just go, Lord, I just, I, give me a word of wisdom. Just give me one. He can't do that because you can say, Lord, I'm open to a word of wisdom if, he, if it's your will to do it. Does that make sense? Because it's as the Spirit wills. All these gifts are supernatural. So he gives uh, a word of wisdom. It is not the gift of wisdom. It is the gift of the word of wisdom that reveals to man only the word or part that he wants him to know. So it's, a, it's, a, it's partial information. For example, if you needed legal advice, you could call a lawyer. 
but the lawyer wouldn't give you all the legal wisdom he has, right? Because you wouldn't need all of it. He would give you a part, a word of the legal wisdom that fits your particular case. He gives you a word of wisdom, legal wisdom, and that is really all you need. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning certain facts in the mind of God relating to people, places, or things. And we'll look at that here in a bit. The word of wisdom is supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose in the mind and will of God. The difference between these two gifts, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, is that the revelation which the word of knowledge brings is always present knowledge. It's always present knowledge of something which happened in the past or current. The word of wisdom, on the other hand, always speaks to the future. It always speaks to the future. I'll show you here in Scripture in just a minute. It always speaks to the future. So the word of wisdom always speaks to the future. The word of knowledge always deals with either the past or what? Present, right now. Okay? So have you ever been in a service and you've seen a minister ministering and they come up to somebody and say, you know, make a statement like, you know, I see that maybe a few years ago you were in a car accident. What is that? That's a word of knowledge. Okay? And then they minister or pray for that person. But they may walk up to a person, may walk up to somebody and say, I see the Lord shows me that in your future here, there's going to be some change, maybe in your uh, business or in your, you know, family life or, you know what I mean? In other words, it's future. It's, it's down the road. It's down the road. It's in the future. And that's the word of wisdom. So let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. And you're going to see the word, we're actually going to hit this again for the word of knowledge, but you'll see both. And this is Saul before he was Paul. (laughs) This is Saul before he was Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse number 10 says this. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus. So was this man a preacher? He was a what? So who are disciples? Every believer, right? I mean, we'll just call it that. (laughs) They may not be living up to their potential. But every believer is a disciple, right? Is every believer a prophet? No. Is every believer an apostle? A pastor, teacher, evangelist? No. No. Now, every believer is in the ministry of helps, including the other what we what we see is the, the, the five main apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. They're in the ministry of helps. So this is Ananias. Ananias is a disciple sent to minister to who? Saul or Paul, right? As we know him. We know him as Paul, right? He was sent to minister to a minister. So what do we see here? Sometimes people will classify the gifts of the Spirit as for ministers only. What do we see here, though? This is a gentleman, and this is where he's mentioned in the Bible, and that's it. But that's a pretty cool testimony. You know, he's probably going around to heaven right now. You like Paul's ministry? 
Yeah, the Lord had me start it with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's probably, you know. Do you know that's okay? Do you know that's not a sin? I mean, unless you're in pride, you know. But do you know Peter stood up in front of all of his brethren and said, the Lord picked me. He did. He did. You know, and I don't think Peter was being arrogant. You know, I think sometimes we read, and we go, we think probably Peter was arrogant. I think he's just a goer. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he just likes to go. And he likes to get things done and accomplish things. Don't you like to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do too, you know. Um, you know, I, I uh, uh, down at... Uh, Breakforth or at the Northern Plains Believers Rally, the Lord had me give Pastor Larry the warhorse word. And that's been around for years now. I mean, it's a part of their vernacular in that group. And I was, I thought, this is awesome. You know? Because all I had was Job about the warhorse. Have you ever? Uh, been asked to speak in a large group and you have no message it's scary you preach with fear and trembling and you wonder you say god if you don't speak you know i mean he's not worried about it i was you know so we see here now watch this it says a certain disciple at damascus named ananias um and to him, the Lord said in a what? Vision. Are visions real? Yes. Are they biblical? Yes. Should they be judged? Yes. But, if, but don't discount, don't say, oh, no, God doesn't give visions today. Yes, he does. He gives visions today. Sometimes they're night visions, dreams. God has spoken to me in dreams. Um. Heidi doesn't dream all the time, but she tends to dream more than I do. Um, I've never had an open vision, but I've talked to people that have had open visions. Where they're standing, like if, if I was standing here, you were looking at me, but you didn't see me. You just saw into the spirit world. That's an open vision. Um, sometimes it can come like a, just a, a, an impression. I think it's more of a leading of the Holy Spirit than something like this. Uh, visions are interesting. If you ever want to look into them in Scripture, they're interesting. Also, you can look into trances. Yeah. It's a biblical word. I know the world hijacks stuff, but they're morons. That's just demons playing. We have the real thing. And we're not afraid of it. I mean, there are times... Now, I've never seen an angel... Uh, well, maybe I have, but just straight out open. But there are times I'm aware when they're in the room here. Now, I don't always say anything, but I'm aware. You say, how do you know? I just know where they are because I can feel it. And what I mean by feel it is not here. It's here. And I see it, but not with these. It's with these, these eyes, the eyes of your heart. Does that make sense? And so... Um, there's that side of it, but then there's also the reality. I think sometimes Christians are so intellectual, God's going, man, we just need to, you know, they're all just logic and numbers. You know what I mean? And God's going, there is, there is uh, Brother Hagin used to say it like this to us, 
The spirit world is by far way more real than this world. But you know, in America, they've proven through science God's not real while they worship devils. Okay, anyway. So in a vision, the Lord said to Ananias. So these are words coming in a vision. He's seeing the Lord, and he said, here am I, Lord. So he, he, he uh, comes to Ananias. Ananias says, hey, <laughs> you know, here I am. I guess you would too. And so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. He gives him an address. You see that? What is that? Now, we're not teaching on this one, but that's a word of knowledge, Right? Because it has to do with what? The present. Okay. And then he says, and inquire in the house of Judas. He gives the homeowner's name. I mean, this is better than Google search. You know what I mean? Google Maps. For one called Saul of Tarsus. Now, there's two more words of knowledge. He knows what street to go to. He knows whose house to go to. And he knows the name of the homeowner plus the name of the person staying in the house. Isn't that something? Can God do this? Oh, yes. Some people are, you know, sometimes I, I think Christians are like, well, we've got to be careful because we don't want to get into witchcraft. Listen, if you get into witchcraft, I'll let you know. <laughs> Come on. I mean, the Lord will let you know. Come on, we, we got to stop letting the world and the enemy define how we believe and religious people. Let the Bible do it. Amen? Okay. And it says this, for behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Anna. See, God's really setting this thing up, isn't he? And that's a word of knowledge. Coming and in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered the, uh, and said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This, I believe this is why part of the reason why the Lord appeared to him. Because he knows Saul's reputation. Ananias does. And Ananias is not looking to be a famous preacher. He's just looking to hang out with Jesus. Do you see that? And he's like, man, I don't want to go over there. I know, but see, the Lord appeared to him because he knew he would need substantial evidence to justify going and doing what he was. How many know the Lord knows what we need when we need it, how we need it, all right? And he says this in verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, watch this, for he is a what? chosen vessel of mine, word of wisdom, to what? Before Gentiles, kings, and the children of... So what do we see here? This is the word of wisdom because now, the, yeah, it's prophetic. It's the gift of prophecy, but notice that the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are functioning in it. Okay, so now this has to do with what? Saul was one way and he had 
letters from the religious leaders to harm the church, he has an encounter with God that Ananias knows nothing about, but it blinds Saul. Saul ends up on a street called Straight in a dude's house named Judas, and he's praying. He saw in a vision, and Ananias, the disciple who's just trying to live with the Lord and in fellowship with the Lord, do what he wants, has a vision, tells, the Lord tells Ananias where Saul is. He names the address, the homeowner. He tells him what to do when he gets there. And while you're praying over him, Ananias, go ahead and tell him what he's going to do coming up. Through what? The word of wisdom. Future events. So what do we see here? Now, I, I don't want to get into this a lot, but I, I want to point this out to you because I want you to see this because I want you to think when somebody gives you a prophetic word to think through these things as well, to listen to what is being said. And then I'm going to qualify it before we move on to the word of knowledge and uh, we'll, we'll add some parameters to what this is. But, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is, a, he is a chosen vessel of mine, this is verse 15, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. What are those? Those are orders and jurisdictions. They're boundaries to where he is to minister. In other words, when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he didn't mean that I was supposed to travel the entire world and preach to every person. Within that word given to the church, that directive, there are specific directives inside of that word for you and I to do. You know, I kind of, sometimes it would be nice... Uh, you know, you, sometimes thinking naturally, I think this way. I think, Lord, it'd be cool to be Ananias. You know, you do your little job, and then nobody ever hears from you again. You just go on with your life. You get to hang out with Jesus, and you get to minister wherever he tells you to, but nobody knows who you are. I mean, nobody's trying to kill you. You know, like later, Paul gets this great word from the Lord here, and he's like, you know, excited and stuff, but he was shipwrecked three times left for dead multiple times, beaten with rods, whipped, naked. I mean, none of us have been naked for the gospel. None of us. If you have, I'd like to hear your story. <laughs> but none of us have. Nobody here has gone to share and witness to somebody and lost all your clothes in the process. I mean... <laughs> not yet. We're not believing for this. <laughs> you know, but whatever it takes as far as getting the gospel out, right? Whatever we have to walk through. But here Paul gets this word. So when, you, when a word of wisdom comes to you specifically or you give one, listen to what's being said. Listen. This is an area where the Lord has really had to just continue to deal with me. Uh, the, especially the longer you walk with the Lord, the older you get just naturally, but the older you get spiritually, you learn to pay attention to what's important. And you learn to ignore and not care about things that 
more immature believers or younger people care about. You learn to. Because ultimately, God is the one that gets us to our destination. And God is specific in the development of each one of his believers. Each one of his children. Amen? He's specific to you. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be a complicated call. It just means he's specific to who you are. And if you don't take the time to find out what he wants you to do, not only just, I mean, the first thing to do is just know him and walk in, in relationship with him and in obedience to what he's created you to be. But then beyond that, there'll be a purpose that you have. And he's specific with it. Now, we see here in verse 16, he says, it says this, For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Is that the prophetic word you want? You know what we want, right? Thus saith the Lord, hundredfold, brother. Hundredfold what? Do you know that hundredfold verse have you the hundredfold you know one specific one is tied with persecutions <laughs> everybody's like i believe in prosperity not anymore i don't believe in prosperity no i don't want that with persecutions right i know it's never an exciting nobody runs on persecutions So what do we see here? We see the word of, of, of wisdom. Verse 16 again, I will show him how many things he's showing out ahead. He's letting him know what's coming. So Paul, now Paul may have not gotten all the details specifically, but he got enough to know what he was headed into. And then we get the opportunity to walk it out by faith. He got the opportunity to walk it out by faith. Do you know Paul died at 68, roughly? kind of puts a dent in the 120 doctrine, you know, live to be 120. <laughs> you know what I love about Paul? He's writing his final letter to Timothy, right? What does he say? I've finished. You're 68, Paul. The scripture says he'll satisfy you with long life. He said, I'm done. I'm out of here. Did he not? And he didn't just say, I'm done. He said, there's a crown waiting for me. Now, today, you would be rebuked for saying that. But that's because, like Doug Jones said, we don't understand humility at all. We let the world define. When he, now, see, I know when Doug was here and he said, how many of you are humble? And he said, raise your hand. I almost raised my hand. In fact, Ryan told me he almost did too. Because the reason why I know that is because I know that trick. Because he did that to us in our class. So I know where he's going. And I didn't do it. I almost did. Because if you, can't, if you don't know when you're humble, how are you going to know when you're... It's not a sin to say you're humble. Well, let's practice. I am... Humble. 
That's a good confession. That's a good confession. So we see the word of wisdom. It has to do with what? With future things. What's coming down the road. What, can you, I don't know about you, but we just went, Heidi and I just went to a, a, a meeting, uh, RMAI meeting down in Dickinson, and we had four men of God ministered. You know, they were around us praying for us because we went up for prayer. How many know preachers need prayer? You know, I was telling the prayer group on Tuesday. Was it, is that when I said it? Okay. I was telling the prayer group on Tuesday. Uh, you know, preachers, uh, Terry was saying this to us, Terry Vester. She said, you know, preachers get upset with people when they sit in the back row and don't go up during the altar call. But then when you go to a minister's meeting, all the ministers are there, they sit in the back rows and they don't go up for the altar calls. She goes, it's kind of hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, because we're the preachers. We got it all together. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's funny. That makes me laugh. (laughs) But anyway, they were around us, and they gave us words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Uh, Tony McKinnon, he said to us, I, I just see navigation. You're navigating things. Well, I guess. Kind of. You know? We're navigating a lot of things all at once. And they just repeated it. You'll know what to do. And then Grammy gave me a, a word uh, concerning the now, but it had a future thing. And she said she saw me and Heidi in a maze, and we would come up against something, kind of cut us off. But when we unified together... It opened up, and we knew what to do. Do you know why that's? A, you know why the scripture says uh, talks about husbands loving your wife and all of that, and then it says you know you're supposed to be in unity because it it won't it'll help your faith remain and your prayer life remain effective. If a husband and wife aren't together, it hinders the prayer life, the effectiveness of forward. Does that make sense? So we got to watch out for that. I think First Peter talks about that. But we got to watch out for that. So I'm thankful for the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge because it gives us direction. We see out in advance. So if we don't allow that to operate in the church, what are we doing? We're not benefiting the church, are we? We can't not allow things to operate or not venture out in faith on the water, obeying the word of the Lord, because that's what Peter did, right? He just obeyed the word of the Lord, right? He, he, that's what we need to do. We, that's stepping out on the water. We can't be, go, well, you know, Peter sank. You know, Peter sank. But I love what uh, Pastor Tim Davidson said about being a water walker when we were down there. And I'll repeat it again. Jesus doesn't rebuke boat dwellers. And I, the lady next to me, she kind of said, she kind of said, oh, so stay in the boat. I'm thinking, nope, nope, that's not it. You want to be corrected because it means you're Doing something. What is steering your car? It's correction. That's all it is. If you just get in your car, just lock that steering wheel in one spot and take off, (laughs) you're going to have a rough ride. 
And that's why some believers' lives are rough rides. You know, anybody ever had a rough ride? I've had a rough ride at times. Like, the Lord's like, steer, fool. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. One more here, and we'll wrap this up. There are more, and I'll give you some references, but we just won't have time to comment on all of them. <clears throat> now, one thing I just want to point out to you about the previous passage that we were looking at, Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. Sorry if I didn't tell you. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. But one thing I want to say about the word of wisdom and what Paul experienced with Ananias, you notice that Paul didn't go hunt Ananias down again when he needed to make a decision later. Right? Okay? He just, he let the Lord do his part, and he did his part. There are some people that are, you're, that are constantly looking for a word from somebody. And when you're real young in the Lord, it's fine. But the longer you go, it's not that you won't have words, but you don't go hunting for those things. I've actually heard of people paying ministers for words. Don't do that. You don't need to. Okay? If you want to give an offering, that's one thing. But I'm talking about like people say, you know, you know, it's just like praying for the sick. I've heard of ministers, you know, not praying for somebody or their child or something until they gave an offering. No, no, no. No, don't do where did Jesus do that? He never did that. Jesus just ministered to everybody, right? And so uh just be, aware, just be aware of some of that. So Acts chapter 8, number 20, verse number 26 says this. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. That's pretty specific. That's a word of knowledge, right? So he arose and went. And behold... A man of Ethiopia, a eunuch a great, uh, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, what? Go near and overtake the chariot. So what you have here is you have the Lord leading. And there's word of wisdom and word of knowledge here. Leading Philip to a specific spot to minister to somebody. And then when he gets, this is the leading of the Holy Spirit all the way through, but he gets near this man in this uh, cart, and, he's, and the Spirit of God says, go. He hears him what? Reading. And he says, go. Get up there and explain to him what he's reading. And he actually leads that man to the Lord, right? And what comes out of that? The gospel then goes where? To Ethiopia. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Right? I mean, somebody, so I think sometimes we think, okay, yeah, that's the story, and then, okay, and then they did that, and then they, they went and did that, okay, yeah. And, and, but I think these things not only are recorded here, but they're recorded there. And that we will see the importance of it. 
Like, I think the Lord will take the time to go see this person obeyed me here and led this person to this person. Then this person obeyed me here. There's a story. Who knows what happened with this Ethiopian when he took the gospel? Come on, think about Philippians when we did the study on Philippians. Remember that? Remember, it was weeks and months. And Paul said that his imprisonment turned out to be a furtherance of the gospel, which is a cutting out ahead. And when they jailed Paul, he released people by the gospel in Caesar's household. They got born again. So where the enemy thought, I've got him, the Lord said, we've got you. Come on. Do you see it? Now you have people who are born again and spirit-filled praying in Caesar's court. Don't think God doesn't have people everywhere. Have you ever uh, seen the testimony of Stephen Baldwin? His house cleaner led him to the Lord. His house cleaner, I heard this, she would sing worship songs. And he said, and he was sharing his testimony how he got saved. And him and his wife were like, we've noticed that you only have certain songs in your repertoire. That's what he used, the word he used. And, uh, and she said, yeah, yeah, you know. And they, he, she said, well, do you have, it? he said, do you have anything else you could sing? She said, no, that's it. And, he, and he, something came about in the conversation about, you know, well, you know, you're, you're here to clean our house, you know. And she said, actually, I'm here to lead you to the Lord and tell you about the ministry that you're going to have. Where's her security? This is a house cleaner. This is an Ananias. And she led Stephen Baldwin to the Lord, and he has had a ministry. And him and his wife laughed when she said it. Who's laughing now? <laughs> right? So here we see the word of wisdom in operation in the ministry of Philip, the evangelist. He goes out in the future, or sees where he's supposed to go, to meet somebody who probably isn't there yet, and then they meet, right? Right? This isn't like what uh, Ananias experienced where someone was just sitting at a house. There was some timing involved. And notice that the word of wisdom came through the ministry of an angel. Do you see that? Okay, don't skip over these things. They're important. Sometimes you should just read 10 verses in the morning and look at every single word. And pay attention closely to what's being said. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever done your devotion and you're like, I don't even remember what I read. Because you're just reading to tally off something on a... This word of wisdom, these, this, this gifting came through what? Ananias had a vision. Philip saw an angel. Right? Say, why is this important? 
because we will have visions and we see angels. Come on. Some people are like, mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to be biblical. I don't know about you. Okay? All right? We need to be open to this. The word of wisdom, like the word of knowledge, may be given by an audible voice, a vision, or a dream. It also may come through the vocal gifts of prophecy or through tongues and interpretation. In the Old Testament, Joseph received a word of wisdom through a dream, which revealed God's plan and purpose for the future. But did you notice with Joseph's word, it didn't say what path would be taken? People, sometimes people go, well, it just feels like I've been lied about and put in prison. Praise the Lord. Soon people will be bowing to you. Come on, he told his own family and they got upset. Now, I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't tell your family. My thought is, why didn't they yield to the word of the Lord? Now, the Lord knew what direction it would go. I'm not saying that. But they didn't reject Joseph. They rejected God's word. I think that's the bigger issue there. So Moses received the revelation of the law in an audible voice as God gave it to him. This law concerned God's purpose for Israel. Therefore, it had to be the word of wisdom, which was exercised. This is also true of the prophets of the old covenant who prophesied many things concerning Israel's future, the new covenant, the coming Messiah, and even events yet to be fulfilled. How many know there's prophetic things in scripture that haven't happened yet? Wow. Word of wisdom. They conveyed it through prophecy, but it was actually a word of wisdom they received. Throughout the Old Testament, as the prophets would prophesy, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge would flow together. In the New Testament, we see the same thing in operation. A couple other passages, I'm not going to turn to them, but I'll give them to you that share the word of wisdom. Acts 11, verse 28 through 30, and both of these are Agabus. Remember Agabus taught, uh, prophesied about the drought? They, he prophesied about the drought. Think about this, guys. The, the drought hadn't even happened yet, and they took up an offering. Now, that is faith. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see if it comes to pass, Agabus. Then we'll send the offering. But he prophesied about it, and they take up an offering right there. That's just amazing to me. Okay, Acts chapter 21, verse 10 and 11 is Agabus again, and this time he has a word for Paul. The word of wisdom. This is a prophetic. Now, that's specifically the office of the prophet. Okay? Specifically, that's the office of the prophet. And if you read through Acts 21, there's a lot in there. There's an evangelist in there. And then there's four daughters of the prophet, or of the evangelist, who prophesied. They weren't prophetesses. Are there prophetesses? Yes. Okay. People say, oh, no, women can't preach. Yo, mama, they can't preach. <laughs> they can preach. I can prove it biblically. You know, people say, well, Paul wrote, you know, and they quote one verse and miss where Paul wrote to a lady who had a church in her house. I'm thinking to myself, are you reading with, you know, half your brain tied behind your back or what? All right, anyway. When any revelation comes, it is always a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits because these are the only three gifts of revelation. No others are listed in the Bible. 
Now they'll function within different things. Visions, dreams, angels. Come on, trances, things like that. They can. But those are the revelatory gifts. You'll love when we get into the discerning of spirits. And it is not the gift of suspicion. Just so you know. The word of wisdom can be conditional. And you can look at this at 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 6. And you'll see where the king was about to die. Remember Hezekiah? And then he repented. So Isaiah prophesied about his future. He repented. And then his future changed. Which means there's hope for you and me. Yay! It ain't over! Everybody go like this. Is your heart beating? Okay, good, good, good. Everybody's good? It means God has a plan for you. And it ain't over. Well, we messed it up. Well, God is the great fixer. You're, you, can't, you can't do... If you'll repent, there's not more that you've done that God can't fix. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.